That's right, Church Beyond Our Walls, a series that we kicked off last Sunday. Last Sunday we were outside, as, as Noah mentioned, out here on that front lawn, and what a great time of spending uh, some time together as the church. Also just want to say, uh, Noah's just completing his, uh, his one-year internship with us at Meadow Park, and wasn't it great to have Noah here for a year and serving in an internship? And I know we're all, we all would be sad to see Noah go, and so thankfully he's not. So to hold on to him, we're going to hire Noah. Uh, <laughs> we're going to bring him on staff with us as our um, worship coordinator and as a pastor in training as he's preparing for his ministry journey. And so we're so thankful for that. So, uh, and, and by the way, next week you get to hear Noah bring the word of God, and that's exciting as always. He's done a great job with that. And so... Um, so great to be a part of church that gets to develop um, others in ministry and preparing in that way, and so we're privileged to be a part of that. So as I said, we're in this series, um, Beyond Our Walls, and we began last week outside, and, and some of you, uh, your parents, you had your kids with us, and now you got another week with your kids. Kids, are you here this morning? You're right, park kids, give, park kids, let me hear you this morning. Parents of park kids, yeah, it's great. I know you get to be in big churches, we often sometimes say, uh, but it's so good to have you here, and, and we, we're so thankful for those that serve in our, in our park kids ministry and a chance on the fifth Sundays as well for them to be in here together and for families to worship here at Meadow Park is a beautiful thing. Now, last uh, Sunday, I kind of uh, played a little trick on you guys. We were all sitting outside or asked you a trick question. I said, uh, I want you all on the count of three to point to the church. Right, to point to our church. And on the count of three, I said, one, two, three, and you all did what? You pointed towards the building, right? We were out there on the lawn, and you all pointed toward the building. And yes, this is our church. We often refer to it as our church. But really, the church is you and me. The church, according to Scripture, according to God's Word, is you and me. It's, it's us. It's the people who are the church. And so what we wanted to see, and as we began last week, literally being beyond our walls, outside of our walls, that we see something different. You get a different perspective, a different uh, uh, way of looking at things when you're not in the same place you always are. And what we want to talk about is, is how are we the church beyond our walls? What does it look like to be the church? When we're not gathered only in this place, but when we're gathered in different places. You know, Jesus you know, said very clearly, go and make disciples, right? The Great Commission, go. He didn't say, just come gather together and stay together and make disciples. He says, go and make disciples. He said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses in Ohio, right here in Columbus, in Ohio, in the United States, and to the ends of the earth. And that means we need to go. We need to be about being involved in the community, being out and making a difference. That is the nature of the church. And so over the next several weeks, we want to really understand, what does it look like? How are you the church when you're not in this place? What does it look like to be the church in your homes? with your family, with your neighbors, in your workplace, in your schools? How do we serve our community together? How do we impact our world together? And how can we be the church not only in physical spaces, but also in digital spaces today? We want to equip you in that. We want to challenge you in that, all of us together, to be the church beyond our walls. And I'm hoping and I'm praying that over weeks of this, continuing to drive this home, we begin to see ourselves different. We are Meadow Park Church for an hour here on Sunday, but we are the church all throughout the community the rest of the week. And I believe that's going to change the way that we see ourselves and the impact that we're going to have. So when I uh, look at the church today, and I look at the community, and I look at life, haven't things changed post-COVID? Can we say we're post-COVID? I mean, this COVID is still around, but you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, we're through that, that initial pandemic phase, just like, remember like 9-11, there was pre-9-11, and then there's like post-9-11. 
We are in a post-COVID world. The impact of COVID now has impacted so many of us. How many of you would say some area of your life and work has been affected by COVID and is different now than it was back in 2019, right? Something is different. Things have changed. We're working from home. Schools at times were digital, right? We're shopping more online. We're affected in so many different ways. The way that we interact with people, social connections, and the way even vacation and all that kind of stuff. Things have changed. Hardly any industry, hardly any area has been unaffected, and neither has the church. Things are different. Things have changed in the church, and we're looking at, as we look at our mission, as we look at what, what, uh, what we're about, how to impact people, it's, it's changed. It's looking different. People are rethinking life and time and how they assess those, those very things. Just as like, you know, movie theaters are wondering, where are the people? How do we get people back in the theaters? How do we get people back in restaurants? How do we get people back in entertainment and those kinds of things? The church is also looking, saying, what happened? And some, some of you might say, what happened to some of the people? Did you know that on average, nationally, across the United States, that about 35 to 50, even 60% on average, I know it's a big range because it's different from church to church, but attendance and participation is down. Just like that, it changed overnight. The largest church is down 50%. It's common across the board. What happened? Where are the people? What's going on? COVID accelerated, like we've heard in a lot of things. It accelerated trends that were in place, things that were happening. And even in the church, that, that those things have happened. And some of those trends, we're seeing a negativity in our culture in many ways towards the faith, towards Christians. In some ways, in many ways, people aren't looking to the church as the first place to go when there's trouble and there's challenge. And that's hard. People are looking at pastors in a negative way. We're not respected leaders in the community. Uh, we're, we're seen as, I don't know, skeptical. And well, I don't know about those guys and those women, right? I mean, things have looked different. Things that have been accelerated. People have always, you know, had to wrestle with, um, you know, how they schedule their time. But we've seen, you know, school sports and, and club teams on weekends. And those things team take priority. You know, if we have nothing else, we'll come to church. Or we have more affluence, we have more ability to travel, to enjoy weekends, to be able to do those kinds of things. And so we take advantage of that on weekends and the ability to do those kinds of things. And so a lot of things are affected. And so we have to ask ourselves, well, what do we do? How do we turn the tide? How do we change what's going on? And, 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 and you think, but how do we get people to come? How does that work? And so do we, do we just try harder? Do we go back to the way things were in the past? Do we say, you know, I'm just going to double down on, on what's going on? What do we do? How do we handle that? See, one of the problems and the challenges that, that, that we have is this that I want to talk about today. For decades now, the church has been lulled into a come-and-see approach to ministry and evangelism. Right? Come and see. Come and see. Come and see what we're doing. It's all here. It all happens within these walls. This is where the action is at. And, of course, God does amazing things. And I want you to come and see. And I want you to come from online and be a part of that. Because God does something. Hearing from someone today, first time here saying, you know what, it's time. I wanted to get back in the room. We've been watching online. It's time to reconnect. And there's something powerful about that. But we've overemphasized the come and see as the approach to ministry. So what happens when come and see doesn't work in the way it did? What happens? Again, do we go back? Do we redouble our efforts? What do we do? Or do we think about a new approach? Well, I uh, read, was read, am reading this book called Canoeing the Mountains by Todd Bolsinger. Todd is the vice president of a seminary, and he's been a pastor of, uh, of a lot of churches and is speaking into the church. And he's saying things are changing, and he uses this great story out of our history that, that illustrates this point of what do you do when things change? Do you guys remember uh, Lewis and Clark? 
take you back a little history lesson, kids. You got a little history lesson today. Uh, Lewis and Clark, Meriwether Lewis, what a great first name, right? Meriwether Lewis and William, and William Clark. And the core of Discovery, the C-O-R-P-S of Discovery. This was their, the group that they, they assembled and put together. And so in the early 1800s, President Thomas Jefferson commissioned them to discover a passage from the Mississippi to the Pacific Ocean. They wanted to have a navigable route on water so that they could you know, uh, do commerce across the continent. And so they've been looking for this route, right, this, this, this northwest passage that, has been, uh, that was so elusive. For 300 years, they tried to find some kind of water route, and, and four different nations tried to do that, and nobody could find it. So they were commissioned to go, and here was the plan. Go from the Mississippi River and navigate upstream to the headwaters. So if you see this map here, uh, you kind of see a little bit. They started in St. Louis on the, on the Mississippi, and they were going to try to find a way all the way up the Missouri River. And then as that crests on the, um, on the Continental Divide, then on the other side, they would connect with the Columbia River and just be able to take their canoes and ride downstream back to the ocean. And that was their plan to do that and to head up that way. So they headed out, and uh, they began to get a, a crew together. And so they assembled this team, the, this core of discovery. And as you can imagine, they're going to spend a lot of time on water. This is the goal. So they brought together a lot of men uh, that were experienced in, in water, that were experienced with navigation and in rowing and being, and if you the next, next slide here, as we see the images on the, on the expedition, right, they're, they're, they're going to figure out how to navigate the waterways. They had some translators. They had a team of, of people. And in, um, in 1805, uh, it was 1804, they left in May. And they, took, they left from St. Louis. You know how long it took them just to get to the headwaters of the Missouri River? Fifteen months. Imagine 15 months of rowing or paddling upstream. <laughs> I mean, that right there is already something that makes you kind of, you know, exhausted. And so they were doing this, and, and along the way, they discovered things they'd never seen before. They encountered, you know, grizzly bears, all kinds of different animals. They endured, like, horrible, like, mosquito situations where they got, they got bit in terrible ways. They lost a companion, you know, somebody that died along the way. And then they, when they got to uh, Great Falls, what is today Great Falls, they spent a month having to portage their canoes. You know what portage means? You've got to carry your canoes. Imagine that for a month trying to get around these falls to continue on in their journey. So they were just moving. It was hard. They were going there. And 15 months later, imagine as Lewis and Clark get to the headwaters of the Missouri. It's at the end now. This is where, it, where, it, where it, you know, the, the Missouri starts. On the other side, there's a ridge, and they're thinking, if we can just get over this ridge now, and, then, and they hike up, and they begin to look around and think, if we can get to the edge of this ridge, what are we going to see on the other side? The Columbia River taking us all the way to the coast. And so they get up, and they go up on Lemai Pass, and they're there, and they look, and to their dismay, there is no river, there is no Columbia, there's no easy path forward. You know what they see? They see mountains as far as the eye can see. And they see snow-capped peaks in the distance, and could you imagine the disappointment at that point? You've been working for 15 months. This was supposed to be the passage. This was supposed to be the way forward. And all you see on the horizon is endless territory to navigate. But not navigate as they know how, as navigators of, ocean, of, of water and rivers. Now it's the mountains. Same kind of dilemma. What, what do they do? Do they go back? We tried. It's over. We gave it our best shot. We're good, on the, we're good with canoes, we know the water, and, and we're not mountaineers, so no, can't do that. Do they try harder? Do they take their canoes with them and go, we're going to figure out a way through the mountains on the canoes? What do they do? They have to find a new way forward. They have to figure out a new way forward. And so with the help of a Shoshone woman, 
with her newborn, we know her as Sacagawea and others, they began to make their way through and they had to trade in their canoes. They had to figure out how to canoe, quote unquote, the mountains. You can't canoe mountains, right? You have to think about it differently. And so they had to find a new way forward. They couldn't just be navigators. They had to be mountaineers. And they had to endure what was ahead. And you know, it was another 400 miles from where they were to get to the headwaters of the Columbia that would eventually take them back to the Pacific. And they did. And they found that path. And they went through and they endured. And they changed everything about the way they approached this whole mission. And so when I think about us and I think about any challenge or obstacle that we face, when what is familiar has changed, When things are looking different, we have the choice. Do we go back? Do we bury our head in the sand? Do we just try the old things more? Or do we pursue in a different way? Do we think about a new way forward? And that's where I think where we are as a church. I think that's where the church as a whole is. How do we move forward in this day and age? How can we be the church? And so I want to look at a passage where Jesus challenges the disciples. And where I think we see a similar situation where things had radically changed for them. And they had to find a new way forward. Let's look at John chapter 20, verses 19 to 22. John 20, 19 to 22. So this was the day of the resurrection. So Jesus had been on the cross. He'd been buried. And now he he rose again. The tomb was empty. He appeared to the women. And here is now he's showing up with the disciples on that Sunday night. So it says that. It says this. That Sunday night, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So in this passage, I want you to notice four things. Things have, have really changed, right? Think about the disciples just a, just a few weeks earlier, just a few days earlier. They were in the, in the sweet spot. They were with Jesus. He was doing amazing things. Crowds were following them. They were heading into Jerusalem. Great things were going to happen. This is the way it works. This is the way it was going. They knew how to be Jesus' disciples and to follow in that way. But now things were changing. And so the first thing that we notice here is the disciples are meeting behind locked doors afraid. So what did they do? They huddled up. They were afraid of those around them. Now that Jesus was dead, things had changed. They didn't know he was alive yet, or they had rumors. You know, maybe some others had come and told them, right? The women had told them, but they hadn't met Jesus yet as the resurrected Jesus. And so they were hiding. They were afraid, and, and they got behind closed doors. They got behind the walls, as we think about it in that way. And it was what was familiar. It's what was comfortable. It's what was safe. And so they gathered there, and it says they, they were afraid, And it actually has me wondering, as I think about Christians today, as I think about the church, do we huddle behind walls because we are afraid? Do we sometimes gather and feel like this is the only safe place where we can be followers of Christ? That that maybe out there people are going to, they look negatively. They're going to say things they don't understand. Because, quite frankly, when we follow the word of God, there's things that speak into this culture that are not accepted by culture. Where the church and following the ways of God parts from culture, it always has. And so what we can get the tendency to do is just we want to hide behind closed doors. Now, what we do behind these walls is really important. And so all this morning I want to hear is when we talk about coming and being in this place behind these walls, it's an important part of what we do. It's essential. Lives change. Things happen here. We proclaim the word of God. We worship. We encourage each other. We gather in groups. We we pour into children. We pour into youth. It is vitally important. 
But there's got to be something else that's happening here. So there's the disciples. They're gathering behind closed doors. And then what's the second thing that happens? They encounter Jesus behind those locked doors. So again, like I'm saying, God does things. He moves. He, he shows up. You know, when, when, when love is in the room, when the father's in the room, in the father's house, as we were singing, lives changed. Walls come down, right? Shame is, is, is just given grace. We're shown mercy. So amazing things happen. And sure enough, they're behind closed doors. Jesus meets them right there. He meets them. He shows them who he is. He says, peace be with you. And when we encounter Jesus, when we gather together, we experience peace. We can experience joy. We can experience hope. And Jesus shows them, right, his, his scars, and, and he shows them, the, you know, his side and his hands. And I think about when we gather and we take communion and we center ourselves around Christ, we experience Jesus' presence when we gather behind these walls and we come together. And so Jesus meets them right there, right? Like the Bible says, where two or three are gathered, I'm there with them. So far, so good, right? But the problem we have here is we stop at this point. We stop at this place and we say, okay, it's great. Let's come together. Come and see. Come and be together. Jesus meets us here. Jesus comes, and he does, and it's awesome. But I like the way this one uh, pastor said it um, from California. He said, we are so good at talking about problems that after a while we think we have actually done something. <laughs> All right? We can talk a lot, and we can learn God's word, and we study God's word, and we want to grow, and we want to be disciples, but eventually what do we do with that? What do we do with the come and see? What do we do with what we take in here? At what point do we roll up our sleeves? At what point do we say it's got to move from head to hands? It's got to move from theology to practice. And that's always the call. When we teach and preach here, we want to send us out to, to do something powerful, to be transformed and to be changed. And that's exactly what Jesus does here. The third point, Jesus sent them out. He met them where they were behind closed doors. They encountered him. They experienced great things. But then he sends them out. And how did he do that? He said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Don't stay put here. I'm sending you. And here's the key for this morning. The way forward for the church is not come and see, but go and be. The way forward for the church is not only come and see. It's not get rid of come and see. That's a big part of who we are. But what we need to do going forward as we navigate the mountains, as we canoe the mountains, as we see what's next, we need to reclaim and recapture what it means to go and be. How do we go and be the church? Well, how do we do that? Jesus said it right there. He said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Well, how did Jesus, how did God send Jesus? Because that's the way in which we need to go. How did he send him? Well, he said, leave heaven. <laughs> go, the incarnation. Be in person. Go and, and, and be there. Be there in the flesh. Be present. Touch the sick. Heal the wounds. Be present with those who are hurting. Forgive the sins. Walk among the people. Be present. Jesus didn't come and just hide out in the temple, right? What did he do? He walked, and he spent life with people, and he engaged with people. And so he's saying, as the Father has sent me, I send you. He left the comfort of heaven, the safety of what was secure, and he came and he engaged with others. Is this easy? No. What did Jesus just show them? That should have been a clue. Peace be with you. Here's my scars. Here's my side. It's brutal. Standing for truth, standing for God's word, loving others, loving the unlovable. We'll get rejected. We'll get ridiculed. There's problems. There's challenges. The disciples will encounter that. And Jesus said, this is how you go. This is a clue to what is to come. And we might think, well, I'm not capable of that. 
I don't want that. I want to avoid pain. We all want to avoid pain. We all want to avoid confrontation. We all want to avoid difficult situations. And so it's much easier just to come and see and be with those that support and love you and care for you, and we need that, but we're afraid to go out because we don't think we can do it. Well, Jesus didn't just say, I'm sending you. The last thing he said in that passage, he says, well, he empowered them with the Holy Spirit. That's the fourth point. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You see, we don't go in our own strength. You don't go just as who you are yourself in these situations, into your workplace, into your school, into your neighborhood, with your family, where you may be the only follower of Christ. You go with the power of the Holy Spirit to give you words to speak, to give you, you know, the right heart to, to relate and to connect with somebody. And over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about what does that look like? How do we go in that power? But we want, I want you to understand, you are being sent, and you're being spent, sent in the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't go just in your own strength. So as we think about this, ascent people, being sent requires us to go and be the church beyond our walls. Now, I know we all, we like to hear messages that encourage us in our faith, that help us deal with, with challenges, and whether it's unforgiveness or some sin or, or just to give us courage. But when we talk about being sent, when we talk about living our faith out in public with others, I find that a lot of believers don't really like hearing that message so much. We'd much rather let the church do all the stuff. Let the church do the outreach. Let the church do the evangelism. Let the church do the discipling. Let the church do the programs. And we show up, and we'll support it, we'll be a part of it, we'll encourage it, we'll give to it. But we neglect to see this isn't the church in the way it was designed. This is a part of the church, the gathered church. So I want you to look at it in this way. This is a picture of come and see. This is Meadow Park, come and see. Okay? Okay. So little zoomed-in part of our map here, right? Northwest corner of Columbus. Uh, we lose a little detail there. That pin is right on Bethel Road. And so the, this is us. Sunday morning, this is us right now, right? If each of us had a, had a homing beacon on us or a GPS locator, that would be us right here, right? Come and see. This is where we're gathered. This is what's happening. And, and again, great things happen in this place. But this is us the other 167 hours of the week. right? That's us the other 167 hours a week. This is us when we leave here. This is us on Monday. This is us in our schools, in our homes, in our workplaces, when we're shopping, when we're out in the park, when we're at sporting events, when we're just meeting a, a stranger. This is us. This is the church. And when we start seeing ourselves as Meadow Park in a different way, we begin to see this is what God is calling us to be. To, to, to be. This is the go and be part of Meadow Park. And then when we discover that when we are the church in these different times and places, that's where the impact begins to happen in a much greater way. That's when you encounter other people. That's when you come together and say, now when you come and see and you bring somebody and you invite somebody, that's when the two work together hand in hand. And when I look at this picture, I think about that scripture I shared last week from Jeremiah, where, where he's telling the people who are in exile in a city, he says, work for the peace and prosperity of the city, Right? Work for the peace and prosperity of the city in which I have sent you. Pray for it, right? Because our welfare is linked to its welfare. And so when I see that picture and I go back and I go, how do we work for the peace and prosperity of this city? How do we do that? How do we, how do we get involved? How do we roll up our sleeves? How do we move in that way? So that means that's the sent peace. When I think about Jesus, when he was sending out his disciples, um, even before 
the resurrection and the crucifixion. He, remember, there's a, there's a passage where he sent out 72 disciples. And he sent them out in pairs. And he sent them to prepare the way of the Lord. And here's what he says in that passage in, in uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 2 and 3. He says, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. And ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. There's a harvest. Where's, he, where's the harvest? The harvest, he's saying, isn't necessarily in here, although there is a small harvest to always be had when we gather together as those who are coming and searching and, and looking for faith. But the biggest harvest field is outside these walls. And he's saying, the harvest is out there. The workers are few, right? We want others to do that work. But we are those workers. We're the ones who have to head out and to go out. And he says, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Again, he's not sugarcoating saying that it's going to be easy. If we're just saying if it's going to be hard, we don't do it, then we're missing what God is calling us to do to be the church beyond our walls. It's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. But God is with you. And so when I think about this is, you know, the, the harvest is out there. The farmer has to leave the barn, right? The farmer, farmer wants a harvest. The farmer has to leave the barn. If we're going to have a harvest, we've got to leave. We've got to go out and be the church. Now, I know we leave here. We don't live here in the church. But how many times do we leave the church and don't think of ourselves as ambassadors of Christ? As we don't think about ourselves as the church. We don't think about ourselves as this is when the action and the work of the church happens. We gather to be encouraged, to be built up. But when we go out, that's when I'm the church. That's when I'm the church, when I'm talking with my coworker, when I'm just shooting the breeze with my neighbor, when I'm sitting on the sidelines of the, of the soccer field, when I'm on my team at school, when I'm talking with a classmate, that's when I am the church. We must leave the building to be the church. So we, as, as Noah mentioned earlier, on, on the 26th of June, we're doing the church has left the building. I mean, this is the first, as far as I know, in the history of Meadow Park, that on a Sunday morning, we are going on a Sunday morning, we're going to go out and serve. We're not just going to talk about it and encourage you to do it. We're going to give you the tools and the ways and the opportunities and the projects to make that happen for families, for kids, that we can see and just say, on this Sunday morning, on that Sunday morning, on June 26th, we're going to go and we're going to serve. We're going to gather briefly here. We'll, have a, we'll, we'll, we'll share a short devotional and a song, and then we're going, to get into our, we're going to get into our teams, and we're going to head out, and we're going to serve all around here in the northwest uh, corner of Columbus. And we're going to come back together, and we're going to hear what God has done and what he's doing, and just a small taste of what it looks like. And some might say, well, what about church and worship and serving? I think that is our act of worship, isn't it? To serve and to love and to be out there. So we're going to do that. And we're going to be the church that leaves the building and that serves as a way to remind us that we're the church when we leave here, not just when we gather here. So I think about this, and I think the church needs to become a core of discovery. I love that phrase that, that they used for Lewis and Clark as they went on this adventure. We're going to discover. We're going to see what God has. And while we say, I'm saying this is a new way forward, it's really not a new way, right? God has always called us to go and be, to be the church, to be in those places that he's called us I mean, we look at and say, you know, we see so much has changed, but what hasn't changed? The truths of the gospel haven't changed. The fact that people need hope hasn't changed. The darker it gets out there, the more our light makes an impact. The truth, joy, peace, is what people are longing for more than ever, and we can either turn around and go back and say, uh-uh, just going to be us, we're going to keep doing what we've always done, or we're going to say, I need to bring that light. I need to be the one that is a part of that. 
And as a church, we need to think differently. And it's causing us as a staff, and it's causing me as pastor to think differently. How do we better train? How do we better equip? How do we better prepare the church to be the church, all of us, when we're not here? Not just what we do in this building. Because what has changed is it's not first century Jerusalem anymore that we're gathering. We're no longer gathering in the Roman Empire. It's not the 1960s or the 1980s or the 2000s. It's not even 2019 anymore. And so we have to continue to be that core of discovery and go say, God, how do you help us? How do you show us what it means to be your people and to be your church? And this is a question that's a little different today. It's not just, again, what are we doing together as a church? It's what are you doing to be the church? Are you willing to say, I'm the church? Remember that old uh, kids thing, you know? What was it here? Uh, yeah, this, here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the doors. Oh, and there's all the people right? That's the, remember that? that? That's the come and see. Where are all the people? They're in the church. That's great. That's where I want all the people to be when we gather as the gathered church. That's great. But where do we go after that? Then we're the church out in our communities, in our homes. But this is not something where you sit back and say, okay, what will the Meadow Park do? This is where you have to step back and say, what am I willing to do? And I can't help but think of this passage in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8. It says this, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? Who will go? Who will be the church? Who will leave here? Who will say, I'm not just the church when I show up here on Sunday, but who will go for us? And the response was, here I am, send me. That's a dangerous prayer, you know that? That's a dangerous thing to say. That's a dangerous thing to pray when you say, Lord, here I am, send me. Send me where? Send me right to those places where you are all throughout the week. He's sending you right into your home. He sent you into your team, into your classmates, circle of friends. He sent you into your workplace. He sent you in the places that you shop and the places you visit. Here I am, Lord. Send me. I want us to bow our heads in prayer. And as we think about this morning, as we think about the story, as we think about Lewis and Clark and as they came to this point where they thought they would have smooth sailing and realized we just got to think different. We got to see ourselves different, not as we have before, but we got to retool. And I wonder if some of us need to rethink in the way that we've experienced and seen the church and saying, I'm the church and I want to go and be who you've called me to be, God, in the places where only I can go. Listen, you can go to places I will never go. I can't be in your family. I don't live in your house on your street. I don't go to your school but you do. I don't work at your desk. I don't sit at your desk. I don't have the same coworkers that you do. I'm working on evangelizing mine. <laughs> no, they're good. They're good. But ask the Lord. And as he asks you, whom should I send? Will you say, send me? If you're watching online, maybe you type in, you say, yes, send me. Here I am. But I wonder if just, if you would indicate this morning saying, God, I want to, I want to raise my hand in a way of saying to, to God this morning, send me. God, use me in the place where you put me. Just, I just raise your hand. I want to pray for us as a church. I want to see us as a church. Raise your hand. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. I want to pray for us. If you see and feel God's calling you to say, I want to be that person in that place with those people that you have called me to, Lord, send me. Let me pray for us this morning. Thank you for those responses. Heavenly, Heavenly Father, it is a privilege to be your ambassadors, to be your servants, 
Father, help us to see the power of what is possible when each of us understands, God, that you're sending us to be your presence all around us, where people are hurting, where people are struggling, where people are celebrating, where people are rejoicing. God, we get to be in those places every day of the week, conversations, relationships that are there with our family. Lord, help us over these next several weeks to really grab a hold of this and to start seeing the power of being your people to be sent and to go as you have sent us, as you, the Father sent you, God, you are sending us. Father, give us your power. God, I pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to give us the right words to say when words need to be said, to give us the right frame of mind and heart to engage and just to be your presence. Father, we love to come and see, but Lord, help us to go and to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.